Today we're starting a new series called Spiritually Transmitted Diseases. And you know, it's amazing because we hear about a lot of other diseases all over the place. HIV, West Nile virus, uh, the bird flu, uh, whatever that is, uh, streptococcus. I had to talk with uh, someone before uh, this happened just so that I could get that right, streptococcus. So mad cow disease. Um, but today we're going to be talking about something that doesn't harm your physical body, but really is deadly to your spiritual body. That though the regular diseases, they may impact your physical, this is going to impact your soul. Um, so um, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 7. So if you would open your Bibles, if you have them, if you don't, we're going to have the words on the screen. But Luke chapter 7, we're going to be looking at verse 36. And we're going to be looking at a guy who had a spiritually transmitted disease. A spiritually transmitted disease called legalism. Everybody go, oh. All right, wonderful, good. All right, Luke 7, 36 says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal. So Jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat. Now, if you're new to Christianity or maybe you've been back, uh, maybe you've been out for a while and you're just coming back, let me give you a little bit of background. The Pharisees, who they were, they were the really high, uh, uptight, very religious church people of that day. Anybody know anybody like that? Yeah. Um, very legalistic, very uh, religion. It was all about religion. Um, in fact, maybe we should find the, even define the word legalism because you might have a different definition than I am. But legalism is any time that you do things in order to please God or get to God or maybe even to have God notice you. You see, legalism is a way for us to get to God and we can never, ever be good enough. Simon, this Pharisee, thought he was good enough. In fact, Moses, as you probably remember in Sunday school when you were a little kid, um, they, Moses gave how many commandments? Ten, that's exactly right. He gave ten commandments. Well, the Pharisees said, you know, that's just not enough. So they, did decide, they decided to give 100, uh, 600 more. So they had 610, 613 commandments on all kinds of crazy stuff. Because they were all into rules. They were all into rituals. In fact, there was this one sect of Pharisees that were called the bruised and bleeding Pharisees. They were so worried about not looking at other women with uh, lust in their eye that they would close their eyes. And they would walk in the city streets. And they would bump and bruise and get hit with horses and camels and any other things. I mean, they were like... Super ninja Christians, if you would. I mean, they were crazy people. Well, this Pharisee invites Jesus over. We really don't know the reason why. Maybe he wanted to challenge him. Maybe he just wanted to know what this guy was all about. But in verse 37, we keep on reading, and it says this. A certain immoral woman heard that he was there and brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume. A woman walks in and... The, this version says moral. Your version may say a sinful woman. Uh, we don't know really too much of the background about this woman, but we knew know that she was probably easy. Or she was easy if the price was right. And I'm not talking about Bob Barker's show. So this woman probably had a past. Um, this, prob this woman had some issues. She was a sinner. 
Um, so she shows up carrying an expensive jar of perfume, an alabaster jar. Now, alabaster in that day was like Waterford Crystal is today. I mean, it was the fishizzle. It was nice. It couldn't get any better. I mean, she spent hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars on this perfume. So she comes in, and this prostitute comes into this goody two-shoes house, busts up the party with a thing of perfume. It kind of sounds interesting, doesn't it? Well, it's going to get even better. All right, let's keep on going. Verse 38, then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on him. So she walks in to this party filled with a lot of religious, legalistic, snobby, judgmental people. And she, even though she knows she has a past, shows up. She opens up the alabaster jar and the fragrance just permeates the room. And she kneels down at Jesus' feet. And she lets down her hair and she starts crying. It's like a levy burst in her heart and she just couldn't keep it in anymore. She just wanted to be around Jesus. She just wanted to be close to this person who, even though everybody else judged her, she could tell by the way he looked in the glance that there wasn't any judgmental glances. So she shows up. And she anoints his feet and she starts crying. And then the Pharisees' spiritual disease kicks in. Look at verse 39. When the Pharisee, who was, at, who was the host, saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself. So he's not saying this out loud. He's thinking this. He said to himself, this proves that Jesus isn't a prophet. If God had really sent him... He would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. It, if Jesus, if he really is the Messiah, he would know not to let a floozy like that touch him. Jesus, who's God and who knew every thought and knew Simon's thoughts. And by the way, he knows our thoughts right now. Jesus decides to tell a story. Look at verse 40. Then Jesus spoke up and answered his thoughts. Simon he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. All right, teacher, Simon replied, go ahead. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. So Jesus says there's these two people and they both owed money to this certain master. Now they own different Increments of money. One owned 500 pieces of silver or denarii, and the other one owed 50. Now, think about this. A silver coin or a denarius was worth one day's wage. So the person who owned 50 owed about two months' salary. Two months. Now, I don't know what your salary is like for two months, but let's just say, Let's say that your salary for two months was six grand. How many of y'all, six grand is a lot of money? Yeah, you too, huh? All righty. Absolutely. So this, this joker owed 6,000 buckaroos to the master. 
Now, this fella who owned 500 pieces of silver owned, owed about two years worth of wages. He owed about two years, his salary for two years. Now, again, I don't know what that is for you, but let's say it's a hundred grand. He owes $100,000 to the master. Now, for those that didn't raise their hand for six grand was a lot of money. A hundred grand is a lot of money, a lot of bucks. So they both owed money. One owed $6,000. One owed $100,000. Now, Let's just say if somebody owed you that amount of money, let's say somebody owed you six grand, what would you be doing? Be trying to find those fellas, wouldn't you? Somebody owed you $100,000, what would you be doing? (laughs) You'd be on their doorstep, right? I mean, every night of every day, knocking, just knocking, knocking. But let's say you had only had to collect on one debt. You could only choose to collect on the six grand or the hundred grand. What would you collect on? Hundred, because the hundred is more. That's the, that's the answer to this question that I'm trying to get you to, to ask. That's the answer. Which one is more? Look at verse 42. But neither of them could repay him. So the master kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? That's a good question, Jesus. Simon answered, well, I suppose the one who had canceled the larger debt. That's right. You got it. So the guy cancels both the debts, and Jesus asked this legalistic, judgmental religious person, which one do you think would love more? And Simon, answering rightly, said it would be the one who owed a hundred grand. Verse 44, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I was when I entered your home, you didn't offer me any water to dust the wash the dust off of my feet, but she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but she has kissed my feet again and again from the first time I've come in. You've neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. She loves much because she's forgiven much. That's the takeaway of today. You will love God much if you have been forgiven much. And you will only show God very little love if you think that you only need a little bit of forgiveness. Jesus tells the guy, yeah, you're big into these religious rules and rituals, but you have not given me the common respect and courtesy that you give just the average Joe when they come into your house. And Jesus is saying, you care more about keeping your nose clean than you do about other people. Hear me on this. God cares more about people than our own religious systems that we could ever create. God cares more about people than buildings, God cares more about people than any other thing. For it's people that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for. The problem is that many churches can lose their way about this. And churches are wonderful. Churches are great. But um, I have been in many churches, and I have been hurt by a church. And maybe many of you have been hurt by churches as well. Know this, that God loves you greatly. 
Simon's legalism got him to do what it can get us to do, and that's to mistreat others because they just don't measure up. They're just not good enough. And it's easy to throw stones at Simon and say, well, look at him. But really, when we turn our eyes inward, we all have a little bit of legalism, judgmentalism, don't we? Even if I'm not a religious person, sometimes I judge people. I'll give you an example. I was at a um, a Fourth of July get-together, and um, I was there with a, a group of people who were doing some things that probably I wouldn't approve of. And many times it's easy to look down down my nose and say, you know what, I shouldn't do that or I shouldn't hang out with people like that. But Jesus, he hung out, not with the Sunday school crowd, but he hung out with people who were gluttons and sinners and tax collectors. He hung out, hung out with everyday, ordinary folk. You know, there's a great book uh, that Donald Miller, Donald Miller wrote, and I want to read a quote from you about this because he talks about being legalistic and judgmental in there. This is what Donald Middle Donald writes. He's, by the way, he's from Seattle. You're going to need to know that. Well, I know that in our society, they frown on prejudice. The fact remains that we all have prejudices. We all judge. I used to dislike guys who wore tank tops because they remind me of people from Detroit. And I don't like Detroit because it's a third world city where a lot of people wear tank tops. <laughs> I used not to like Canada because it's filled with Canadians. I used not to like people who wear white socks with dark colored pants because they look like they're attending a formal event in Canada or Detroit. I used to dislike men with hairy ears and noses because it looks like they snorted a cat. And I hate cats. By the way, I hate cats. All right, he goes on the right. But I'd appreciate your being honest and admit that you have your people that you dislike as well. You probably think your list is better than mine because it has abortion doctors, rapists, corporate thieves, used car salesmen, politicians, and evil dictators. But the bottom line is that we're all very self-righteous. We're all prone to secretly believe that we are somehow better than others because of the things that we do or don't do. What makes you think that you're better than someone else? It could be your paycheck, or you work. It could be the car that you drive, your children, maybe your wife, the church that you go to, how you raise their kids. It could be because of your past or maybe even their past. You see, legalism and judgmentalism is a real community buster. And legalism gets us to judge ourselves, too based upon things that we do and then we don't do. I really think a lot of people are scared to death of God because they're afraid that he's going to be as judgmental as we are. For God so judged the world. Is that what it says? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. In verse 17 of John chapter 3, it says that, Jesus didn't come into the world to judge the world or condemn the world, but to save the world. You see, we all have messed up. The Bible calls that sin. And that separates us from God. And there is judgment that has to take place, but know this, that God has already performed that judgment with Jesus Christ. So what's the cure for legalism? Well, it's what you heard earlier. It's grace. It's grace. 
You see, none of us earned salvation if you are saved in here today. Or maybe you've not connected with God yet. Um, Know this, that you can never ever do anything, anything to make God love you more than he does right now. Nothing. For many of us, it's not about grace, but it is about legalism. It's about following a list of rules. You know, many of us, we spell Christianity this way. We spell Christianity D-O. We spell Christianity as doing this and doing that. Doing this and doing this this way and not doing this. Christianity, in our minds, is spelled D-O. But in Jesus' mind, it's spelled this way. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's done. You see, we can't get to heaven by our legalistic rules. We can't get to heaven by following a set of systems or obeying a set of man's laws. Jesus has already obeyed all the laws we need to obey. We just need to get that gift from him. God calls us not to religion and not to ritual, but to a relationship. And my prayer is that you have a relationship with him this morning. Right now, we have some ushers going around, and they're going to be giving you something because all of us, myself included, we struggle with judgmental and legalism. They're going to be handing you a trial vial of perfume. For that's what that woman who had a past had. And this week, as you're going through and you start being judgmental to maybe your your mom, your dad, maybe your husband to your wife, your co-worker, then I want you to take that perfume and I want you to open it up and I want you to smell it and I want you to imagine what Jesus Christ did for you, what Jesus Christ did for me and what Jesus Christ did for us. So as they're being passed out, if you would make sure to grab one of those. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you are wonderful. Lord, I thank you so much for allowing us to be here and to open up your word and to hear that, you know, we don't have to be perfect. In fact, we will never be perfect. But you don't call us to be perfect Your son is holy. He's perfect. He's totally unique. Lord, only thing we need to do is ask for him to give us that gift of holiness. Lord, we thank you so much that you love us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.